Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Not much, man. How are you? All right. Did I hear that we have a, a listener, for sure, out there tonight? Yeah, supposedly. It's, yeah. yeah. My, my buddy Greg pulled me aside at, at practice. That's great. I'm very embarrassed. I don't, I don't like to think of people actually listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, I feel though. bad. I feel like I owe people. No. <laughs> owe them their time back. Yeah, I was actually with my brother, uh, I don't even know how to describe, some extended family. Um, I went to my nephew's basketball game on Saturday, Rob, and it came up. Like, my dad was there, and so, like, he brought it up, and then I'm, like, all awkward about it. Yeah, change <laughs> And they're kind of, I mean, they're, like, I don't know. I don't know if they're really interested, but like, they're humoring me, you know. How'd your nephew do? Another triple-double? A triple-double that included turnovers. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's you. <laughs> Points, rebounds, and turnovers is, uh, yeah, typical. He's, they're very optimistic with their passes at the uh, sixth and seventh grade level. <laughs> oh, that that gets worse. Yeah, right? like, seventh and eighth. Um, a lot of people really think they can thread the needle and yes. throw it right through the lane. There's just, there's nothing stopping them. And no one's taught them a bounce pass yet on this group. So everything's like down. They think they can, like, they think they're Wes Unseld, like, with the outlet passes, you know? Oh, the baseball <laughs> passes? Yeah, yeah. Just like. Oh, make me pull my hair out. Oh, it's just crazy. They all. Um, but he did play really. I am very impressed with his, like, I, I don't know. My brother said he's understood that, like, the points, they count the same if you make it from, you know, right under the basket as they do if you make it from the foul line. Like, yep. and, uh, yeah. I mean, there was a kid on the other team that must have shot eight or nine threes and made one. And, like, at some point, you're like, you got to stop. Like, yeah, it ain't working. Like, and they're, they're not like our, it's not like the JMU kids who miss threes. Like these are like off the backboard. You know? They're not like, missed. Yeah. It's, they're, it's, like, they're, not, they're not in and out, you know? No, yeah. we, we had a team. We played a team like that on Saturday where um, they would try to break our press. And as soon as they got past midcourt, they would pull up for like 22 footers. And I don't think they hit one. It was, it's just it was great. I was like, this is basically just like, <laughs> you're playing into our hands here. I have to admit, we are in like the, I didn't even realize until this weekend. And then I'm there and I'm like, what is that on the side of the court? They have like a camera. They stream the games. Oh, it's yeah. It's just like Falls Church Rec League. Like, it's a golden age of like youth sports in that way. <laughs> like yeah. or, or downfall of America. Or downfall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pick. I know. They, they like have a stat page and everything. It's like. Oh, oh yeah. God. The apps and everybody follows yeah, yeah. along. Yeah. Like, I had no idea any of this was going on. I'm just like, you got to work on your left hand. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we've we've got the apps and the streaming for baseball. I'm proud to say I've never downloaded. Everything. Okay, good. I don't need to go down that route. I, I don't need to know my kid's batting average. I don't need to know his teammates' batting averages. I just get out there, uh, you know, the stereotypical, I hope everybody has fun sort of thing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Rob, we both consumed a lot of JMU. Dukes. There was a lot of uh, a lot of JMU sports over the weekend. There was a whole lot of sports between Friday and Sunday um, over the weekend, and thankfully, we we you and I like I think we did we watched different things at different times, um, but covered a lot of it. Uh, we're going to kind of go with a lot of things from this weekend: um, the basketball teams, lacrosse, softball. And then I, I, we sort of have three big questions I want to ask you and just discuss tonight uh, as we really get into it. Um, and then we'll focus a little bit on men's basketball in particular and like the road ahead um, in regards to that. But first thing, I, I think lacrosse earned the first spot to A block here, don't you think, Rob? I think so. That I think was... so. That was, I don't actually know whether either one of those teams is good at defense. But yeah. that was really fun to watch. Right? It was. It was. Like, I, I watched a lot of this game. I was uh, The timing kind of worked out for me until, yeah. unfortunately, the fourth quarter. I had to step away to go to I got to tag basketball. in there, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was back and forth, man. That third quarter was something else. JMU, <sighs> you know, what, they went to the half, what, down one? Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where it, it did just kind of look like whoever had the ball last would win. <laughs> right. And then it turned out going to overtime so it almost was like that but it was really exciting it was yeah, that it was, was a fun game. high level like college across right there like yeah I mean, it's a top yeah. 10 matchup 19 18 in overtime among two top six teams that's pretty pretty good yeah two teams with a history and i realized jamu hadn't beaten north carolina since 2018 yeah when they beat them twice once season opener which <laughs> also was an overtime was it not 
I think it was. And then they beat them, what, in the Elite Eight in or the, the final? quarterfinals? I yeah. Believe, yeah. In the NCAA tournament? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super fun, man. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a fun team to watch. Obviously, Isabella Peterson gets all the headlines, but she's not the only one no. who can score. Uh, Maddie Epke. Yeah. Epke was yeah. – that was outstanding. Absolutely yeah. outstanding because you need secondary scoring and your secondary scoring when you, you're getting six, seven goals, man, that's uh, quite an advantage. Did you watch any of it? Like Peterson put a girl on skates. It looked yeah, like. I saw, and I love that they made a, like a little clip of it. It's so Oh good. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it was the point where like, I, I actually felt bad for the poor girl. <laughs> it was like she, one of those and one mixtape thing. Yeah, like, yeah. It really, it looked like the professor or somebody, yes, right. you know, like <laughs> where they pull some random guy off the beach in Venice who thinks he can guard the YouTube hooper and right. <laughs> oh my gosh, the poor girl just, you know. Isabel went left and the girl took a couple steps and then just toppled over. Um, yep. You see like the Iverson versus Jordan oh, yeah. one or something like that. It was to that level, but it was nasty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's just a weapon. Like just, there's just no, like she's just so good, you know? Well, she's huge too. I mean, she's six yeah, she's feet. She's taller than that, everybody. She's taller faster than that everybody. Length, and she's like so athletic. And yeah, you know what else was really cool? Did you see? I think it was Metlin or somebody tweeted yeah. out a picture. Oh, the of, day after. Yeah, the Peterson sisters out there working yeah. with local girls, teaching the game. Yep. L- literally, like you know, fifteen hours after the victory, I thought that was so cool. I thought that was really cool. I, I thought about that a lot this weekend because we saw some pictures of like softball helping out in elementary schools last week before they left for Florida. You know, like. Yeah, we just these are great kids, and 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 not not to take anything away from football or basketball, but like you just forget the I don't know how normal the other athletes' lives are, you know, when they're not randomly in the final four kind of thing. Um, but at the, the same other, time, I mean, like it. Yeah. If you're a young girl playing lacrosse, oh. and Isabella Peterson is working with you, that's a big, big, big deal. You know, that's For not sure. just like oh, I live by a local college, and one of the players came out. That's you know, one of the top what five, ten players in the nation, two Arton okay. finalists. Like she, yep. she's in the running for player of the year. I mean, that, yeah. that, that would be the equivalent of I'm dating myself here, but like <laughs> if there are any lacrosse players from the '90s like me, that would be like Gary Gate okay, coming right. and throwing around with me after a game. You right. know, back when I was in high school, it would have been mind blowing. So yes. I just I thought that was really really neat. Yeah, huge huge win to start the season. Um, no matter what happens, just one of those that you bank. That is a huge win in the bank for you know this is a team that absolutely unlike basketball has a you know they play in the american with florida they have a legitimate chance at an at-large like they got last year you know both of those teams have genuine chances and wins over north carolina there aren't many teams in the country are going to have those come selection sunday uh so just a huge huge win and if you look at the schedule i mean this is the classic Coach Shelley's schedule, where just oh yeah, take on everybody. Yeah, they um, played Tech Wednesday at home. They go, they play UConn next weekend, but that's like in Maryland, like Germantown. So it's like a neutral site game. Um, but yeah, they play everyone. They play Maryland later in the season. I mean, they pl- they play all the big hitters as yeah. the season goes yeah, along. Penn State again. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's, um, they will be well tested. Come yeah. Time. And, you know, to Coach Shelley's credit, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Like, obviously, Caitlin Morgan, who didn't have a shot or a goal until the overtime game winner, um, kind of reminiscent of the game winner last year in the tournament uh, against Maryland, I think, uh, last year. But, like, that was kind of cool. But the but big thing I was going to point out with the coaching was, you know, they pulled – neither team could stop a shot for various points in the first half. And they pulled Caitlin Bowden, the goalkeeper, uh, for the last, what was it, the last minute or so of the first half. Um, and she came back, you know, they put in Adanya Moyer, the backup, for a little while. And they put her back in in the second half, Bowden back in in the second half. And she had a couple of huge stops. And I thought yeah. it was cool that, like, Coach kind of credited those after the game as being really critical. Uh, just it seems like whoever won, you know, had the ball scored. A lot, a lot, a lot of points in this game, but I just, it was good credit to the coaching staff. I think that they like took a kid out, settled him down first game of the year. You're playing, you know, defending final four team and, you know, clearly it worked and she went back in and hopefully this is the start of big things. Uh, Cause that's a tough, that's a real tough environment for like your first, I don't know if it was her first start, but Bowden only played in like four games last year. 
Buchanan played most of the season, you know, and you're playing your first game out. This this wasn't a warm up game. <laughs> it's become so. a nice little tradition to open the season with the two teams playing. Like that was a game yeah. that had national attention. Like, I, oh yeah, a lot of, I mean like, everybody they moved up to Twitter. number three in the poll already because I think that was the that was the game of the week in women's college lacrosse. And it lived up to the hype. I mean, that, that was a game oh. that everybody was talking about Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I saw one of the USA Lacrosse or Inside Lacrosse magazines say like, "We already have a contender for game of the you know game of this game of the year." Yeah. Um, and and that wasn't hyperbole. Like that was just awesome stuff. And I thought the crowd was great. Like they had five hundred plus out there. I mean, it, there was a contingent of fans that went beyond just the parents. You know. Um, and hopefully they can start building this because it does seem like they're starting to build that. And we keep talking about the everything school, uh, and we'll get to the we'll get to all kinds of questions about the crowd in the men's game soon. But um, but yeah, so big congrats to lacrosse. What a way yeah, to start the season! It was just a great way to start the season, and and yeah. I think that's now the standard is the standard with this team. You know, mm. we always joke that I put my foot in my mouth with Coach Shelley years ago, being like, "Oh, so what's the goal of national championship?" But <laughs> That is the goal for this this program. They are not looking. I mean, obviously, conference championships are important, but this is a team that doesn't just want to compete on the national stage. They want to win another championship. So yeah, and and to be honest, they're in a better position now in the American, I think, than they were previously in the old conference to do so. Well, yeah, because you got. I mean, the old conference was was multi. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was years, pretty good like, too. Florida's a top ten team, although they probably they they kind of got beaten up a little bit by Loyola, another yeah, very good team. another good team that yeah um, beat us a couple years ago. Yeah, but I think I think they lost Loyola like by eight goals or something. Okay, on, yeah, on Saturday. But I expect them to bounce back. They're too good not to. But yeah, just th- those two teams. Just the chance to go head to head with them is twice probably. Yeah. And like you said, the schedule itself. We know they're playing Maryland and Penn State and everybody else as I, Loyola. I think maybe mm-hmm. um, as the season goes along. So yeah, go out Wednesday if you can. Um, support the women against Tech. Uh, always fun to play Tech. Um, and for anybody in this, you know. Maryland, you know, sort of DC, Maryland area. Um, they play at that complex in Sparks against UConn on Saturday. So pretty cool start to the season there. Rob, um, we'll go to, we'll just hit women's basketball real quick. Um, they had a win over South Al last Wednesday. They pulled away from a bad South Alabama. That was a weird game that JMU kind of was dominant for three quarters and then like fell apart for five minutes and actually gave up the lead. And then blew them then out. Then stormed right back. Yeah. Really well-played game. And it, and it was quite a frustrating thing to, to just take an – they took an enormous L on yesterday. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, sort of the forgotten game. Um, they went to Ball State, and they just got their heads beat in. Um, hadn't seen them play that bad from, like, start to finish in a long time. Um, not saying the effort wasn't there, but, like, they never got within nine – after the first quarter or so, um, it was pretty rough. Uh, they lost by 15. I mean, it wasn't, you know, outlandish, but it was a struggle. I, I, I'm hesitant to take too much away from it. You know, the out-of-conference travel. We saw this on the men's side of these Mac Sunbelt. It was rough for the road teams. This, you know, like the men's, I think, were like, what were the men, 10 and 2 or something? The Sunbelt? hosts it was pretty lopsided yeah and i do think at this point in the season to go out of conference to a random place is um is an unusual thing if nothing else and i'm I'm trying i'm done until we see the women play this week uh they play it's two double headers this week by the way uh question about that in a second but they play thursday at home against georgia state and saturday at two against coastal so you know until i see them play this week i'm not going to take too much away from yesterday's loss at ball state a ball state team that much like our men's team ball state women are 22 and 3 at this point so no matter who they've played that's a legitimate team um so anyways that was the way it went for them rob one thing that's interesting and i will ask this before we go on to the men the women play so there's a doubleheader thursday both teams play Georgia State. Women at five, men at eight. Very cool for the fans. Should be an awesome environment. Um, and then there's another doubleheader on Saturday, but it's women at two against Coastal, men at six against Georgia Southern. Is that a day-night doubleheader or is that a one-ticket doubleheader? <laughs> like I was wondering how that. I don't know. I don't I just... know either. It's a, 
and, and then the, the real question I had, and this is kind of just apropos. I mean, this doesn't, it's not related to the bigger picture questions, but both teams finished this season with four road games. I had just assumed I looked earlier in the year that the men were, had their last four on the road, but I was surprised to see getting ready for tonight. The women also finished four on the road. Is there some kind of like a flower show or a tractor pull or something at the There's bank? Kind of, yeah, like, that's I, weird that you would have both here? teams not in there. Yeah, that's really unusual. Mm-hmm. It almost made me feel like, you know, with one of them, you're like, well, somebody in the Sunbelt gets screwed every year. Maybe it's just our turn, you know, but for both of them, it felt weird. I, anyways, I have no idea, but both do, you know, finish the year out on the road. With that said, uh, the men's team had a great week this week. Uh, big win at Arkansas State last Wednesday. A very annoying game that they controlled throughout and then hung on to win by four when Arkansas State, I don't know. It was just a annoying, frustrating finish to the game. But Well, Arkansas score, State made a game of it. Like everybody's like, oh, you know, the, the yeah. score doesn't indicate what a blowout it was. Well, it, yeah, because it wasn't. I mean, they could have lost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a couple possessions away from, and a couple made free throws <sighs> with a difference. I mean, they end up winning by four points. I mean, they yeah, were free winning. throws are going to be the death of this team. Yeah. <laughs> maybe or maybe, I, the, maybe their salvation. I don't know. I like, mean, yeah. I mean, they had a couple big ones then. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> that game, it was well in hand in the last four minutes. Arkansas yep. State just started pressing the tempo, and it really worked. And they almost pulled one out. They almost stole the stole one. Yep. In front of a good crowd too. Like oh, that. really good crowd. This has been a really fun thing for this JMU team. I do feel like they are they're going to be battle tested when they get to Pensacola. They right? are because I feel like they're they're the new kids on the block, and yep. that's brought some attention. But also the new kids on the block who have twenty two wins at this point, and the they're, win over Michigan State, and all those the month and a half in the top twenty five. Like, yeah, I mean, you saw the crowd at App State, the crowd at Southern Miss, the crowd this week at last week at Arkansas State. These are like the biggest crowds people have had in years. And Arkansas State had a big marketing campaign. Like they ran yeah. specials, I think, to like ticket specials to get people in there. Yeah. And then the coach, I believe, bought 100 tickets. And mm-hmm. um, their whole football team mm-hmm. was there behind the JMU bench. Some of them were like painted chest. And like yeah. Being, I, yeah. I thought no, that was, was really cool, man. Yep. Um, and of course, the Terrence Edwards-led trash talking from the Dukes, um, you know, never afraid to add to the atmosphere at any arena. Um, yes. Yeah, so always a good time there. Uh, and then the Dukes came home and really handled a pretty good Akron team on Saturday. Uh, 73-59. You know, tight game for a while. I don't – I you've really instilled in me a level of calmness about it's this team, It's weird with Rob. this team, isn't it? It is. It yeah. really is weird that they don't panic and it feels like they're going to figure it out. And I thought the guy um, – the announcers on Saturday, the ESPN two crew, because that was the ESPN two. You know, we had truly like neutral announcers in this game uh, who hadn't obviously seen a lot of either of these teams, but you know they they were pretty on the nose early on in that game about JMU's depth, and then even I think it was Tom Crean doing the halftime show, and it was pretty close. I don't remember what the score was at the half, one or two. I mean, it was a close game, and he his comment at halftime was he thought JMU's depth was going to be the difference. And I just forget how it's such a factor with this team as they get into the last 10 minutes of the game. And like Edwards hasn't had to play every minute, you know, they, they start bringing guys back in. And I, I don't know. I mean, Carrie was just outstanding. Carrie and Horton are just, they're basically like six. They're, they're extra starters at this point, aren't they? <laughs> like, yeah. And, and Michael green. On oh, Saturday. well the Michael green day was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if they get anyone else to hit threes, like they're just, uh, they're a really tough team to beat if they get one of those guys to make outside shots. Yeah. And we're yeah. not telling tales out of school here, but no. Michael Green had been in a slump. Yeah. You know, like a slumped and all slumped. It looked like he lost a starting job. Yeah. It looked like he'd lost a, lot of, lost a lot of his confidence. Yeah. Um, Xavier Brown started on Saturday. Yeah, he's and, been starting for a while. Yeah, a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, but he only played 12 minutes. I mean, Green mm-hmm. ended up running the point for 28 minutes. He was six for nine from the field. Just an outstanding game. Four threes. Yeah, it, it yeah. was awesome. But um, they had nine guys score on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And you don't need somebody to go for 25. I mean, it's looking like you, you do have things like Wooden a couple weeks ago or Friedel where they just go off and you get 
you know, a career night. They have a lot but of guys think, who are capable of that. I, I think the recipe for success is having two or three guys score like 14, 15 points yep. and then have everybody else just chip in. Like that's, that's where the calmness comes as a fan. You figure like, because they're not reliant on two guys, it's not Denzel Bowles and right. Wells back in the day. Yep. We're like, if yep. they're not on, forget about it. Mm-hmm. You can have like, uh, Terrence Edwards is weird. Cause like, Fans are very hard on him because he plays a very up-tempo, almost frenetic style. Yep. And he'll have moments where it doesn't go his way and he might turn over a couple of times. But then you look up and at the end of the game, he nearly always has like 15 points on like around 40% shooting. He'll have a couple rebounds. Like he's still such a good all-around player. Oh, so um, good. But he's not going to have uh, – he, he realizes he doesn't need to go for 25 every night. Right. You know, they can win – on a night where Edward scores 12. And the, yeah. And the other big thing with him is sometimes too, is like when he, like when they play a really good team and they're having trouble getting a shot, he's obviously the guy they need to create a shot. Yes. Even if it's difficult at times, but he seems to be still figuring out and he is figuring it out that like, he doesn't need to be that crazy. Like, you know, he doesn't need to be that creative if they're not really struggling. You know, he 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 doesn't need to go to his full bag of tricks until they really need it, you know? Yeah. So instead of pulling that out all the time in the second and third quarter, it's like, let's work through it. And then if we really need a shot in the fourth, you know, I'll be there when the time comes. Um, but yeah, and then the, I mean, the luxury of having Bickerstaff and Carey, Rob, is just... I mean, Carrie is just improving by leaps and bounds. I have no idea how, like, I'm already resigned to the fact, like, it, I don't know how we can ever keep him after this, but he's so good. And he's, he's just really, gotten, really he's good. so much better now than he was two months ago. Like, it's really impressive, like, how much work him and the coaches are putting in. Because him on February 12th compared to him on November 12th is, like, two different players. Well, particularly guys of his size. Yeah. You know, like the 6'8 freshman who landed JMU. Yeah, they're, they're usually projects. Yep. You know, anybody over six eight, six nine who lands at a mid-major um, typically is somebody with maybe a ceiling if he can develop. He's coming right in. And Todd, you said it like he's you can see the progress in real time. He's a tough matchup now. Well, and his feel for the game for any freshman, but especially for a big guy like the, a couple of those passes on Sunday, you know, to the Raekwon Horton back doors kind of yep. thing. I mean, those are guard play. I mean, those are point guard type plays, you know? It's like precision. Yeah. Passing, is, there's a level of calmness to him that you would not expect <laughs> from a freshman. Um, yep. Particularly when he's doing spot minutes, you know, in that 15, 20 minutes a night. Yep. That's significant playing time, but it's not so much that you can necessarily just work yourself into rhythm. You need to go in there and make an impact when you get on the court. And the fact that he's able to do that at this stage of his career is is pretty damn exciting. Yeah, it'll be interesting like two, three, four years from now when he's playing like pro ball or you know in the final four somewhere like he may look back and be really glad that he played a year with Bickerstaff in front of him too yeah, let's, because let's Bickerstaff has let's, obviously let's not act like he's gone straight oh, no no I know I, well, I know you're right <laughs> I, I just mean that like Bickerstaff is clearly a guy who's like really worked on the aspects of the game that like separate big men yeah you know he handles the ball pretty well he tries to look around like you know the shot still isn't there but He's trying to add to his game, not just be a post player. Mm-hmm. And it seems like some of that is flowing to carry as well. And I, I don't know. It's just it's just awesome to watch this deep, deep team. We, uh, 22 and 3. I mean, we've never seen this, Rob, ever. Like, no matter what conference they were in. No, and to win that game against a very good Akron team yeah. on a night where Friedel hit one shot. Yeah, it was a big one. But It was a big yeah. one. Like, yep. it, it's big. And he he's still... He can impact the game without scoring mm-hmm. as much as mm-hmm. people might not realize that. You know, he, yep. he's a very exciting guy when he gets hot and he had been on a heater the past month. Um, but that's a luxury when you've got a guy who's that good, when he can have an off night in terms of scoring and Jamie can still win comfortably against yep. the team, the quality of Akron, like that says a lot about this roster. Yeah. So looking forward to – these are huge games because these are the last two home games for both programs this week. So Thursday, Georgia State, sat, Saturday, Georgia Southern, Saturday, Senior Day for both programs, two and six. Um, 
you know, Georgia State just as typically like, I don't know, painted, you know, just awful as they are in every sport in terms of just being annoying, um, but pretty middle of the road. Like they need to, JMU needs to take advantage of these last two home games. Uh, Georgia Southern, one of the weirdest teams in the nation. They are five and seven, a very respectable five and seven in Sunbelt play. They are five and 20 on the season. <laughs> I I have no explanation, but really need to take advantage of these two games because they go to Marshall, which is their hardest remaining game. There are basically six teams now. Troy and App are tied at 10 and two. Technically, Troy is ahead, uh, I think, based on tiebreaker, which is a little weird because in all the bracketology, we went from like two weeks ago, App, when they were clear cut number one, was like a 12 seed to now that Troy is the default number one. They're like a 15 seed. It'll be weird to watch like what happens if JMU or App, you know, ascend again to the top uh, with the stronger like overall records. But Troy and App are ten and two. JMU is a game back at nine and three. Louisiana is a game behind them at eight and four. And then Marshall and Southern Miss are at seven and five. So really, to get in the top four, you know, JMU just needs to stay ahead of. They need to stay where they are. Or keep getting better. JMU has a really favorable schedule, as does Troy. The other four in that top six have really rough schedules. Um, App still plays Louisiana and two versus Southern Miss. Uh, Louisiana has a a ridiculous schedule. They play App, Troy, and two with Southern Miss. Uh, Marshall plays App twice and JMU once. So, and obviously like Southern Miss plays a bunch of those, or was in the mix of a bunch of those games. So, excuse me, Troy's, yeah, Troy's, I might have messed this up. The only hard game Troy has left is at Louisiana. So that's the last week of the season. And arguably the only really tough game JMU has left is the at Marshall game um, in two weeks. So JMU finishes at Marshall, at Georgia Southern, at Georgia State, and then at an awful coastal team. Um, so JMU in a really good position. They're a game behind Troy, and they, they really need to win them all um, to have a chance of getting back to the top to the top seed and taking the regular season, just because Troy's schedule is really favorable. So Looking at this, you're really looking at JMU and Troy, probably. I mean, App has been really good. There's no reason to think they they did they just been good. But um, that's kind of an interesting look ahead. I mean, it's hard to believe there's only three weeks left in the season, six games left. But this is truly crunch time now. We're getting um, ahead of ourselves here. But what's the program record for the men's program for wins in a season? It's already. I think it's only like one or two more. It's 23 or 24. I think it's 24. I they mean, put if they it run out. the table. Oh, they run the table and blow the it out of the you're water. You're looking at a 31 season. Yeah, I mean, if they run the table, they'd be at 28 and three headed to the Sun Belt and tournament. The Sun Belt. And then you'd win two games to get to the final. Would put you at 30 and three. So, like, man, yeah. If you make the Sun Belt final and lose, you'd be 30 and four. And that's probably the only chance. Um, there probably is a chance. Right. If if you lose the Sun Belt final to Troy, App or Troy, maybe. I mean, we'll see, but especially App. Um, if you were to get in the top two with them and lose the Sun Belt final to App, but you're 30 and four, that's probably as good a chance as the Sun Belt will ever have right now at an at-large bid. Um, and JMU, I would think, is still the they're still the best hope for that, just because they're net, they're now at 54 or 56 in the net after the win over Akron, which was a really good win for them. I mean, the broadcast was really funny because they kept talking about what a win it would be for Akron. Um, It would have been Akron's best win (laughs) because JMU would be their only quad one win. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of games between now and then. I mean, they got to win eight games to get to that point. But yeah, you're right, Rob. I mean, I think 24 is the school record and they're two away with six to go. And six very, I mean, it seems like they're probably going to break the school record for wins in a regular season. Yeah. I still think, I mean, it's impressive and the net and everything certainly helps, but I still think they're in a situation where they're going to need to win the tournament. I do too. I do too. I mean, especially because it's fun to talk about not large. Yeah. I think, you know, getting swept by app kind of took that off the table, unfortunately. Um, Yeah. And for me, I think um, it did take it off. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because like, then if you lose to app again, you've lost three times. So you're like, yeah, it, it makes it tough. Yeah. But you, I would love for them to win the regular season um, because we haven't seen that in a long time, right? 
I mean, in 2013, they didn't win the regular season. Um, they weren't even really that close because of the weird stuff in place at the time. But yeah, with with six games to go, I think it would still be a surprise for them to win all six. I think I'd be disappointed if they didn't win five at this. You know, I'd really like to see them close strong. They looked, I'll say this, Rob, they looked a lot better this week in those two games than they had in that kind of shaky stretch they had the end of January. Um, and that that's a positive sign. So hopefully. I agree. I mean, yeah, I think right? playing at Arkansas State was a tough test. Just like we mentioned, a pretty big crowd and, and a good environment down there. And then a game, you know, Akron with a lot riding on it. Uh, in front of a good home crowd and, and a really good team. I mean, Akron was 10 and one in the Mac. They've only lost like one or two games this calendar year. Most of they were like 18 and six. Oh yeah. I believe most of their losses were and then, kind of in, in the, the, in the early part of the season, early right? part of the season, the bigger yeah. programs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're a really good team. That was a legit win. So yeah, for sure. And, and also huge credit JMU. I didn't even mention 15 and zero in the non-con in the yeah. non-conference schedule. I mean, and I don't think I'm sure I'm positive that's never happened before, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, and starting to develop a nice little home home court advantage, big time. Well, well, let's just do. This is my first big question for you, Rob. Yeah. We'll just take this out of order here. I had three big things I wanted to ask you about. The first is the arena on TV issue. Um, I think we can all put to get put to bed the black jersey controversy of last week. Um, both the women and the men played fantastic games in black jerseys last yeah. week right i um, like i and for the record yeah i like the blackouts i yeah. think it's cool yeah. i think it's something you do it once turns a the year, students out gets students out it's yeah. whatever I, I i think it's fun I, you brought I'm, up a good point um what was the mid-90s baseball team blue, blue. they were navy blue navy blue right. yeah like um and i understand like highlighting the school's brand and colors and everything like that it's not unusual for teams to have black jerseys that complement right. things i mean it, it's weird todd you and i both watch soccer right i was watching the premier league this weekend teams just choose colors at random like every third saturday yeah yeah. oh that, that's, that's out of control like I, I don't need yeah. to see like everton wearing red or no, something no, like that yeah. <laughs> yeah. but a black jersey with purple and gold letters i don't count me in i think it's cool well, I thought it was really funny. We were, you know, they, we're going to, we'll save the Hall of Fame discussion for a little later this spring, I think. Yeah. Um, some really, obviously, you know, the highlight being Mickey and the 20, 2004 team are going into the Hall of Fame. Um, but they also showed the picture, the old picture of field hockey, you know, the, the then only national championship team at JMU in yeah. their black jerseys. Yeah. Right. And I was like, guys, like these have been around. They're not going anywhere. They didn't hurt the team then. They're not going to hurt anybody now. Um, and so this was my thing, Rob, the arena on television. And I mean, how many years, how many years have we talked about this in football that we have this beautiful new stadium or side of the stadium. And because of that, we have this wonderful press box. And the only downside of it is that the wonderful press box, the camera angle faces out to the old side of the stadium, which until the, I mean, now it doesn't matter that much because it's been so pretty much sold out every game, you know, in these two FBS years. But up until these two years, for many years, the opposite side was like, you know, that was the last part of the stadium to fill and the first part to empty mm-hmm. because the students all gravitate to the end zone, you know, new seating in the end zone um, first, and they don't fill that other side. And then the same thing this weekend. I mean, it really was, it was frustrating. I think it's an overblown thing, but it is frustrating that the one part of the arena, knowing we all knew that there was more than 6,000 tickets sold, the arena was basically full. The students were amazing on both ends of the court. There's people in the upstairs, like, but the one part of the arena that gets shown is where all the club people don't come and sit in the game. Like it looked like an empty gym on TV. And I don't know if you had any ideas in how to address this. Cause I'm like sensitive to both things. One, the people who buy the season tickets and don't come, I don't really have a problem with like, no, they're supporting the program. They're supporting the program. They bought the tickets, you know, at the same time, it's a very weird thing. Cause that side of the bank of the bank, you have to enter through the club level to get to those seats. So the only, like, there's no like reshuffling, you know, like, 
we were talking about it here this weekend. We're thinking like, okay, after the first 10 minutes, could they, you know, put the thing on the scoreboard? I mean, there are programs that do this that say like, you're welcome to move to better seats. I think the Orioles actually do this at Camden. Like after the fourth inning, there's a thing that's like, just where you down. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, you sort of, and, and look, if the person comes with the ticket at halftime because they were at their kids gymnastics meet, like you got to let them sit in their chair. Right. But but it's really, I just don't know. I don't know if there's like, I, it's probably not worth being angry about. I just wish Jamie would take it into consideration. Like I'd rather have five rows of students ring the court, you know, and have the empty seats behind that than have nobody there. You know, it just looks weird. I don't know how to address it though. So I don't know if you had any well, general one, I think the, the thing you said that I agree with most is not worth being angry about. This no. is just, this is a, Growing, and if they growing keep winning, sort of thing. people will keep coming. The hard thing with the club, just like in football, is like a lot of people like you can still see the court if you stand up at the top in the club. So I'm not even like it's hard because like in football, everyone stands on that balcony. Even if they're even if I'm not complaining in football, like about them being inside eating and schmoozing. Even if they're out watching the game, they often don't go down to the actual club seats. To the seats, yeah. They stand on the porch. And you could do that at basketball too. And I don't mean to take that away because that's obviously part of the attraction of purchasing the club seats, which support the program, <laughs> you know, like you said. Uh, so. Well, basketball is just a different beast. It, it's it much is. easier to play and to get back yeah. to five or six home games for football. Um, fall Saturdays, people – yeah, it's kind of built into the DNA of fans. Like, okay, I can find things, or, or like, I will take the plunge against season tickets every year in football, knowing one or two games is there. Basketball is just a complete non-starter for some of us. Like, I love basketball. Yeah, I love basketball. I would yeah. love to go to all these games. I can't drive two hours down for a game. No, on a weeknight. During, on a weeknight, it just. But it's, even on the weekends, it's hard. Even for the a two-hour game. It's very hard because you get down there if you're late getting in. Like right. if there's issues in the parking, and I've talked to people, I know yep. this has happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, people yeah. People make a weekend of it. They get down there. They're stuck for 45 minutes. They miss for the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just tough. Like in all these yeah. things, I, I don't know what the right answer is other than, I mean, this sounds lame, but just kind of being patient and, and roll with the punches. I, yeah. I don't think you need to make massive changes. I do think maybe it's worth pulsing the season ticket holders to say, or are you guys open to some sort of solution? Yeah, that's I what I if, think. I think yeah, that's I, what I'd talk to them and be like, hey, are you open? Like, you don't want to make it a hassle where they need to check in and they need to say if they're coming or not. But is there, is there an opportunity to get some sort of sense of like from the season ticket holders, are you okay with us doing some sort of Camden Yards-esque plan where at the 10-minute mark in the first half, we tell students they can fill in there or something? We yeah. used to sit there in the convo. Yeah, exactly. Me and you and Porter yeah, and we, McCown and Holster, down there. We would yeah. just go down there. And Four nobody bats in the scoot down if there was an empty row. Yep. Yeah. It was fine. You know, you go from yep. bleachers to the real seats. Um, to me, that's probably the best quote unquote solution is just to kind of chill out and look the other way or push people down there. I don't think this calls for some sort of like massive reseeding no. or restructuring the way things and go. And look, it's a good problem to have because they just haven't been good enough to even worry about these things. Yeah. For a while. And now, like, I'm even, I even think they need to think about um, what direction. So the way that they go now is, so as, here's the thing, the student section on the, what is it? The home bench side, which is the bleacher end of the student section is the raucous end, right? That's where the students who come in early and get there and are the super fans are the seated student section down by the pep band is the like, eh, you know, the the more lighthearted, I guess. I don't know what to say of the students. Now, they are full this weekend. I'm not knocking it, right? They were there. But that's the direction that the visiting team goes in the second half now. What I'd like to see is the visiting team going towards the raucous student section in the second half. Um, So I I think they're going to, my guess is that there are people, JMU has always listened to these type of things. And I think they will continue to listen because I'd like to see that flipped as well. Um, Cause there were guys missing foul shots on Saturday for Akron in the first half, like into that student section, you know, like that's a real thing. And like you said, this is becoming a real home court advantage. 
And this week, I have high hopes with the double headers, the two double headers in the senior days on Saturday. Um, well, you're seeing we saw, pictures we now. We saw it at men's soccer this fall. A couple of those, the, that win over UCLA, remember? Yeah. The crowd was like really legit, you know? And then what we saw at lacrosse on Saturday was a real like, this could be a thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the kind of home field advantage that JMU football has – you know, has been a winning, I mean, that it's a difference in winning. Um, I thought it's funny. Um, our guy, your guy, the hamburger, Rob, uh, Derek, the, the Zorro, he keeps putting up these stats about, uh, like the, like what the record is depending on the attendance. And he's not wrong. Right. <laughs> like the, when the, attendance a correlation. Goes up, the record yeah. goes, yeah. Like when the attendance goes up, the record gets better, you know, for all these teams. So, Hopefully people keep coming out. Well, I think it becomes – and people maybe de-emphasize the advantage part of home field advantage where it's like the motivation it brings your players. Obviously, it would be nice to be loud and intimidating, but that's only half of it. I think particularly yes. this basketball team, you see how much these guys appear. Oh, they love it. They love playing with each other. They love having fun. I mean, Edwards looked like that belt made his life. <laughs> I thought that was funny that Metlin said you have no idea how disappointed he was when he – when they told him he had to send it back to the league yeah, office. Yeah, and, and for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, for the Sunbelt Mac Challenge, you know, between the two conferences, yeah. they actually had a belt, like a wrestling belt. Yeah. That went, you know, to the to And it the looked pretty team. cool. It was like It a was really the, cool. Like, yeah, yeah. And they won it. And the players were celebrating afterwards. Like, <laughs> these guys just look like they really enjoy playing for each other. And, like, yeah. they enjoy being big men on campus, like playing in front of 6,000 people. So yeah, it's intimidating, but I also think they elevate their game and it gets them up and it's, I don't know, it's it's fun to watch. Yeah. All right. The last bit from this weekend, Rob, was a really promising start for softball. Um, Four and one, they went down to Jacksonville, played in a tournament, swept a doubleheader, like just, just cruised through doubleheaders on Friday and Saturday. Um, and lost a really tough game to Southern Miss on Sunday that they, weirdly enough, they don't play Southern Miss in Sunbelt play this year. Um, but Rob, I got to watch, I watched the whole second game, um, the second game Friday, uh, which was awesome, which was a great one to be on TV because or on ESPN Plus because it was Kirsten Fleet's uh, debut for the program in the mound, on the mound. And just incredible. Like this, this weekend was really promising for this team. Um, I encourage you guys, all, everybody who follows Preston, what is it? It's Preston Adams, I think, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, meet the press on, um, on Twitter. Uh, you know, he, he writes a lot about softball and really good piece today about like the good, good and bad of the, of the weekend or, or good things and like things to improve on um, sort of timely hitting was his, th- that was what I was actually impressed with. JMU played great this weekend. They won 6-1 over Ball State, 5-1 over Jacksonville, 3-2 over North Florida, 8-1 again over Ball State, three and then lost 3-2 to Southern Miss. But that didn't do justice to how many – they just had runners all over the bases, and they took so many walks. They took like 26 walks this weekend. They were back to the team that we saw in 2021, you know, just such grinding at the plate up and down the lineup. Um just, I felt like they left tons of runners on base. Like they had, they should have scored more. Um, But I didn't mind that for a sort of opening weekend. And then the biggest news of all, I I, I mean, there were two huge things. I mean, one was really incredible leadership. I thought from Reed Butler, their veteran, you know, they only have a couple veterans, Reed Butler, Hallie Hall, Alyssa Humphrey, you know, they only have two or three players that have been around since that world series team. And Butler's really improved. I mean, she made two or three great defensive plays, hit, was hitting, leading the team, hitting home runs. I mean, it it really helps. They really got leadership from both those players or from the veterans. And then the pitching, I mean, Grub gets the first, that's the transfer from Virginia, gets the first win. They had four different pitchers had the four different wins, Rob. And they all went more than four and two thirds innings. So Grub won game one, Fleet, dominant complete game in game two actually worked out of a jam in the bottom of the seventh in game two was really awesome to watch uh Peyton List with Fleet uh getting the save in game three and then Alyssa Humphrey you know just our 
favorite, 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 getting a complete game win in game four. Uh, and then, you know, they lost 3-2 in a tight game. Group, Fleet, and List all pitched in Sunday's loss. They were down 3-0 early, gave up a two-run dinger in the first inning. And that was sort of the whole game. And then, you know, scratched their way back into it. But I, I was just impressed. I mean, Bella Hensler at the top of the lineup hit almost 500 this weekend. You know, they didn't even get much from KK. I mean, she was fine and had an RBI or two, but like and, and both halls, Hallie Hall, Jasmine Hall doing well. But again, I just felt like they were, they look so much deeper again, Rob. And that like they have options on the mound and it definitely looks like fleet. Uh, you know, she's the highest rated recruit, you know, one of the highest rated recruits we've ever had. And she looked like the real deal to start the season. So, you know, disappointing to lose on Sunday in game five, but four and one's a pretty good start for that team. And sort of the way it happened gave me a lot of, just a ton of encouragement going forward. So they come home, they host this weekend. It's going to be cold this weekend in Harrisonburg, but it is going to be sunny. So I think they're going to play. We often have these early tournaments that get rained out or snowed out or whatever. Uh, But it looks like they're going to play, you know, somewhere at or around 40 degrees most of the weekend. Ooh. Villanova, Lehigh, George Mason. Yeah, that, oh, that's some stinging hands. Sting. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, probably good for the home team. But I mean, they're playing Villanova, Lehigh, and George Mason, all teams in the same yeah. boat as they are weather-wise. So, yeah. Um, but really encouraging. And and then Lauren Laporte, it was her 200th win over the weekend as well. So big congrats to Coach. You know, one of the a real all-timer at JMU already, mm-hmm. and already getting her 200th win. So big two okay second big thing rob comes from baseball so baseball opens the season this week they play a four game series at the sec arkansas razorbacks starting on friday i believe arkansas is a top five team this year are they not yeah yeah this is uh this is one way this is a choice to open your season for sure yeah Uh, this is like a couple years ago they opened at florida state State and Um, got yeah so this let's put it this way if they could take one of the four it'd be a great start to the season you know, yeah. Um, I think most people. I mean, we're hoping that they pull it off, and we saw last year they came out of nowhere to win a couple big series and everything in conference play. But I think most people expect them to go down there and get swept this mm-hmm. weekend. So, win one game, good. Win two games, fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? And uh, outfielder Fenwick Tremble preseason all made the preseason all Sun Belt team. I also saw he's in like the top two hundred. He's ranked like one seventy fourth or something in the. Top 200 college prospects right now. So, I mean, you never know with these things, but, and obviously baseball's weird, but pretty cool. But the big question, second big question, Rob, um, Coach Eikenberry extended today through the 2026 season. So, this, he was kind of going into a lame duck season again. Um, this has been a weird thing for him. Got a two year extension. There are other places in the JMU interwebs that you can go for steaming hot takes. Uh, this is not one of them. <laughs> like, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I feel kind of like, okay with this, I guess, Rob. Um, it's well, a weird... he's a friend of the pod, you know, he's joined us. We tailgate with him. So I, I think we need to acknowledge our bias right off the bat. And he's a friend um, of JMU, right? I mean, he's yeah. 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 I mean, he's yeah. coach, obviously, right. but, right. um, I don't know. I mean, like we saw flashes last year and in my mind, they exceeded expectations first year in the season. That's what I thought. It's weird, right? His overall record is not good. He's 500. Right. His time in the old conference was underwhelming at best. Yeah. But last year was like, they basically went 500 and that was like a home run for what we were thinking going into the season in the first year in Sunbelt play. Right. I mean, this is almost a high major league. It is. It is. It is, it is, a, it is yeah, a high major. It's good. League I mean, in, it's in a baseball. Three, four bids. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, this, this and these are not like they had like two regional hosts last. You know, like these are legitimate. Coastal's nationally ranked already. I mean, yeah, Southern, Southern Miss, Miss, Louisiana. These teams are they're no joke. Texas and State's pretty good. This yeah, year, they played you know, like, well last year. So I feel like in some ways it's like, not to mention they've developed a couple of, you know, they've developed players who went on to you know, be drafted and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard call for, I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, and then the other thing I couldn't help thinking is obviously, and this will lead into my last, so Rob, I mean, I guess that's the big thing. 
I think we're both okay with this, right? Yeah. With the extending coach. I mean, you don't want to leave I, these baseball coaches. It's not like they have massive buyouts. You know, basically you're committing to him through one more season, through this season and next season. Yeah. And you're giving him the ability to recruit again, you know, throughout this year without being, without players wondering if he's going to be here. Um, you know, the last year is always for all these contracts is always a little bit of a, eh, we'll see if it happens. Um, but at least in JMU's case, Jamie baseball, is not like, these are not football coach buyout numbers or, you know, you know, like it's not the end of the world sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So I'm okay with it. And then the reason I'm part of the reason I'm okay with it is because of my last question, Rob, which is, have you heard anything on the AD search? I haven't heard anything at all. No. And the reason it comes up that I thought about it was when the Eikenberry extension was announced today, I thought, this is really good. This is Jeff Bourne doing a bit of business, you know, taking care of his guy and, and sort of setting this program for some stability for the next couple of years, regardless of like what the record is this year. Um, and, and you take a decision off the plate of whoever the new guy, the, you know, the incoming AD is. Uh, but then that did get me thinking like, wow, you know, this is born taking care of one of his guys at the end of the run. And it just made me realize we're sitting here and it's February 12th and Mr. Bourne's last day is, is four and a half months away. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I'm like you, I didn't have any insight on it, but just kind of, are, are we getting nervous yet? Or are we just, is like do do no, you have any sense? I think it's different than like football, where yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's not like you know, football, oh, this you've matters got... to the recruiting cycle or something. Yeah, well, not even that. I just in terms of obviously there are people paying attention, but AD searches are different than coaching searches. You're yeah. not going to read about them in the athletic, you know. In some no, occasions right. you will, but even for like big big jobs, it's much more behind the scenes. It's not this frenzy. It's not people tracking airplanes and coaches and met. I mean, no, outside fans, the top five or ten. Like even the big conference schools, this isn't like a. But even that, I, it's not. I could maybe it just flies under the yeah. radar. I'm not paying attention, but I don't feel like you hear a lot of leaks of like, oh, here are the top six candidates, or this person's interviewing. You get some throwaway article, and then they just hire somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not the same sort of obsessive thing that a football coach or a basketball coach would get. Yeah, that's probably good. I, I assume. My my thinking had always been that we'd probably hear something around Sunbelt tournament time for hoops is when we'd start, you know, everyone would kind of like be like, oh, we got to talk about, you know, like the, it's time to talk about this kind of like we're coming to the end of the winter sports where spring is in full, you know, spring sports are up and running fully one month from it'll, it'll be less than a month from now. Um, so that's just kind of my guess. I don't, I, I honestly know none of us have any inside information on this. I just, my guess would be we start, the rumblings will be more around that Sunbelt tournament time. Cause that would, it would make sense, right? I mean, that's a high profile event in terms of this time of year for that stuff to start coming around. So I, I'd be, I'm not going to be nervous until like April basically is what I'm saying. <laughs> about you know if we don't hear anything before april it'll be like okay what's going on here like because you know, i'd like to think that person can can come in and have a couple of months i mean that's the only reason i'm thinking it's like i'd love for that you know assuming that person's at a, is a sitting ad at another school or a sitting associate, associate AD, ad at a you know whether it's our school or another school like you just figure they're probably going to want to go through most of their spring season at their current job but then you'd love to see them come in, you know, mid-April before the end of the school year and and sit, you know, shadow born in the way that, you know, the way that we've done with presidents in the past at GMU. Just that job feels big enough for that kind of a thing. See, this is where I need to plead I ignorance. Know. I don't even know how the presidential transitions have worked in the past. Um, I just assume well, it's been this so would be long. something. I mean, ours are always... <laughs> We don't change presidents at JMU. Like they stay. Yeah. I, and it's but, just, it's not on no, something no, that yeah. I really they, pay attention to. Yeah. I just assumed that the AD would be named 
at the end of the year and start in the summer and hit the ground running when the school year. I, I didn't think that there would be any sort of shadowing period or overlap. Uh, that's a good there point. There may not be. That may be yeah. the way it is. It may be late May. They come in, they have a month, you know, and that's it. Like, I don't know. It also probably depends on the how the search is going. Like, who is the, you know, what is the current person's job set? Like, mm-hmm. you know. Is it an internal candidate? Is it someone even, even if they're not internal, are they like within a couple hundred miles, you know, within driving distance of here kind of yeah. thing? You know, I mean, that, that may have something to do with it too. Versus you bring in somebody from Oregon state. It's like that that's completely off the cuff there, but like, they're obviously not coming in every weekend to talk to Bourne, you know, or meet with people. So who knows? Um, yeah. But those are my three things, the arena on TV, Coach Eikenberry's extension and the AD search were the three things I wanted to hit tonight. Rob, I think that's good for this week. Um, big, big weekend and just incredibly exciting starts for lacrosse and softball from my point of view. Um, softball, may, maybe it's not the worst thing. They were four and one, like keep them under the radar for a while because uh, they just look so much more loaded and professional than they did last year. They had one error in the five games. The member of the beginning of last season was like, chucking it around the yard kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this was really promising. Um, so I don't know. we got big, big basketball games this week. Looking forward to cheering on the seniors um, on both squads. Uh, some exciting times to come. Uh, we'll have we got the Caitlin Clark record game this week, Rob. So. And Todd, while we, since we've yeah. been recording, they just released the numbers for last night. 123 million viewers for the Super Bowl. It seems like a lot. Yeah. That's, How many people? That's a third of the country. Yeah. It's the yeah. most watched game ever. That's crazy. It's a lot. Yeah. That I, was a I really wonder how many of too. them were on Nickelodeon. Well, Nickelode- I, I heard the Nickelodeon broadcast was good. I, we never I, wa- I we didn't never watch last over. I have watched. I watched one yeah. of the ones last year with the boys. It was pretty fun. I, I would yeah. get a real kick out of it if I was a kid. Yeah, you know all the the characters I, and the slime and everything like that. But oh, yeah. I heard it was really well done. I heard people said, um, people said that Dora the Explorer did a better job explaining the rules than any of the quote unquote adult broadcast uh, commentators did. Okay, so I did have I did have we did have two things with that rule thing, Rob. Before we go, I mean, of course, all of us on this podcast and all of our listeners like me, all screamed at the television when San Francisco took the ball at the start of the overtime because all of us college football people immediately knew that was, what the hell are you doing? Like we switched, they switched to college overtime basically now. And in college overtime, if you win the toss, you go on defense Mm -hmm. Um, because then you know what you need to do. And San Francisco didn't do that. And it does, uh, I don't know. I mean, for a, as big of a, you know, as much as an emphasis on uh, emphasis as the NFL people put on, like being on top of everything, it does seem like one team was prepared for the changes to the overtime rules and one was not. I, you know, I, I, I kind of, I got to push back a little bit. I, okay. I thought his explanation, Shanahan's explanation, that he wanted, he wasn't worried about the first two. He just assumed that his team could hold serve, and he wanted the ball first when it truly was no. When it was sudden death. Sudden death. Yeah. So, like, I, I might disagree with that, but I don't think it was a case of him just being caught flat-footed no. and not understanding. I think it was just a, a yeah. little bit of a risk. I actually kind of buy that explanation. I do, too, and I also think it's a little bit different. It's totally different in the NFL when you're kicking off. Yeah. Like you're not starting at the 25. Yes. So you're not starting in field goal range. You know, it's a very different – it's just a totally different proposition at that point. Um, And then I didn't know – actually, Romo – so I assumed Romo was like saying the wrong thing at the end of the game. But I also didn't know the rule. And I wish CBS had done a better job of explaining the quarter thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I was also yelling at Andy Reid like, take a timeout. (laughs) Yeah. And then Romo did – I think they did explain it. With like five but seconds to With go. like five seconds left, that was the only time I learned that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I was also confused. I understood the seven, like you can't win with a touchdown thing. But then that part I didn't know, that it's just going to flip over to a new quarter. So it didn't matter. 
it really had no, you know, they well, actually did. I think did these hit. were the things that Dora was explaining. I think it must have been. Must I, I'm have not been kidding. Like people said it was very, they, yeah. they just came in with this, like, explain it to me like I'm five sort yeah. of thing. And everybody said that was the way to go. That was better than Roma. Right. Cause I, and I love Nance, but you know, Nance is like, I got to do overtime. I'm ready to go to Augusta. This yeah. is my time of the year. Like, what are we doing? And then the overtime goes for, you know, um, yeah, it was a it was a fun game though. I mean, it wasn't fun for the first half, but the end of the game was awesome. I mean, the second half was really good. Second half was exciting. I, I, I'm sure eventually I will get sick of the Chiefs, but I just find Patrick Mahomes to be such a joy to watch. Yeah, I did think it was funny because it's all like, I don't know, all the football nerd stuff in the NFL, and it's like, well, one team has Patrick Mahomes, so just pick that team. Like, yeah, it's, it's really I not thought that Purdy played well. People were bad. Yeah, no, Purdy played great. Court. It wasn't his fault at all. No, like, and it was an awful break on that punt that oh, hit off the guys. That the was worst. just because that yeah, poor that guy. Was just he wasn't crack. even doing the wrong thing. Right? No, yeah. he was just blocking. Um, yeah. So it was just well, it's funny because on the McLeod, obviously we have the McLeod connection, and when it first happened, I'm like, "What is McLeod doing?" Yeah, you know, and then when you watch it again, you're like, "Well, actually, McLeod was the only one." He was just scrambling. He was was actually doing the exact right play. Yeah, he was trying his best to salvage an awful thing. Yeah, Um, but yeah, yeah, but I thought it was a pretty good game. I enjoyed it. The second half was awesome. Overtime is always fun. Yeah, even with the new rules being a little bit confusing. I I did overall. I think the new rule is a better rule. Like I, I would have hated the idea of the Super Bowl being decided without. Mahomes ever touching the ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like even if San Francisco had scored a touchdown, like that just, sucked, you know? Yeah. Like what fun? That's not fun. You know? Um, well, that's, aren't they calling it the Josh Allen rule? Cause that's what happened. Yeah. That's what years happened. Ago to, right. To yeah. And that, that was exactly right. It's just, we had that great game and then you're like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then of course, as soon as Kansas, as soon as San Francisco kicked the field goal, you, I think we all thought, mm, it's going to be interesting. You know? Probably not going to work. So yeah, but, but then they got down. I mean, they, the Chiefs needed that conversion on their first set of downs. Where I was did. like, the boys and I were watching. We're like, oh my gosh, we're all excited. Yeah. We think it's overtime. Patrick Mahomes, down. and they're going to you know four and out because some receiver is going to drop the ball. Right. Or that poor guy who ran backwards for six yards. Yeah. It did. Was that the one where Mahomes ran? Yeah, where he ran and slid. Yeah, we the, kept it. Well, the, I, it, it was fun too because there was a whole story. It brought up the story today about um. A couple years ago in the Army Navy game, Navy ran the same play thirty times over like it was like thirty five times over six games leading up to the Army Navy game. They ran it the same way and they always handed off. And the only reason they did it was so that the one time in the Army Navy game they could pull it with yeah. the quarterback and run around, you know, and do that. Yeah. And, and it is it's just fun. That part of the the game is fun to, to Well, watch. and then there's the opposite. I don't know if you watched any of the Gonzaga Kentucky game. Oh yeah. For the last 12 minutes, Gonzaga basically ran the same set over and over and over again. Because just Kentucky a high ball screen, anybody. top of the key uh, for the point guard. And then the guy would either roll off and get it for like a give and go. He'd step back for a pick and pop or he'd step back, get the ball and then just throw it down to the post. They kept doing the exact same thing. It just shows you like. Is there anything more fun than that as a Oh, fan? it's great. And it's yeah, like, like whatever your sport. When you realize your team has an advantage and they just won't let up on it, like and particularly in basketball, oh, like yeah. when you just you can run one concept and do three or four different things about it, with just guys understanding what's coming to them and just reacting. And as somebody who tries to coach eighth graders to do that just once a game, it's amazing when you see like college basketball players. And it's not like the Kentucky guys can't defend; it's just very hard. These yep. concepts, if you do something well. Yep. There's going to be options. And in football, you see it like I, I still think we overcomplicate and we mythologize, you know, these offensive coordinators. Okay. A lot of it is just simple stuff being well executed. Um, yep. it, it, you don't need to stay up 75 hours a week to come up with yep. the idea like, hey, maybe we should just put the ball in Mahomes' hands. Right. And just yeah. let your best quarterback throw it to your best receiver and yes. call it a day. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. You know, w- when things really started to get dicey, like, let's start throwing it to Kelsey more. Yep. Yep. Let's yeah. do it. And him and Rice are like our only two options now. Yep. Let's not throw it to anybody else till, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until you need the touchdown. Until you, yeah. Know, and till then you just go to somebody yep. else. Yeah. So, uh, fun into the regular season, I think, uh, or to the football season. 
think I saw something, Rob. It's like, I don't know. It's less than a hundred and it's like 180 something days till JMU. Till college 190 yeah. days or something. Till it'll be here quick. We, I mean, it's sooner than that for week zero, but yeah, it'll be here quick. So, and lots of, I mean, just so exciting to be headed to headed down the stretch in February with both basketball teams, you know, in really good positions for a fun in the mix. Yeah. In the mix. Yeah. And, and then what we have on tap with these two spring monsters in lacrosse and softball is exciting too. So Rob, I will talk to you next week. Yep. Have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes.